0: I'm going to read one of Paul's prayers out of Ephesians 1, verse 17. He prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. Father, we thank you that your word is living and active, and we do pray just that tonight, that a spirit of wisdom and a revelation will fall upon us as a church, and that you will flood the eyes of our hearts with light so that we can see you for who you are tonight, God. And we pray that in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, you can be seated who's glad to be at church who's not glad to be at church (laughs) hopefully you're being honest I'm glad to be at church I'm gonna we've been who's been here the last couple weeks I'm taking that to mean most of you. My eyes are terrible. I think I have an appointment this week, so hopefully that goes well and I can get contacts that actually don't make my eyes itch because I'm not going to preach with glasses on. But anyways, that's another story for another day. I can't really see what you're saying is what I'm telling you, but I'm glad that you've been here. We've been talking about the desert and a little bit about the wilderness and Nazareth. Who's been enjoying talking about Nazareth? I'm actually getting a lot, you know, sometimes... Sometimes I, I'm going to believe that God loves all my sermons, but you guys seem to like some of them more than others, and you come and tell me, and I've had some interesting conversations with people, and I'm being a little facetious saying that, but I've had conversations that people have really been finding themselves in uh, this message, and so I felt just prompted from the Lord to kind of take it another week, and we talked Two weeks ago, talking about the revival comes from the desert, talked uh, in the desert, meaning Nazareth, this season that's very ordinary and mundane, and God's trying to interiorize the life of the kingdom in us. And this is the process which God prepared Jesus to become this wellspring of revivalistic expression. And if we want to be revivalists, we're going to have to walk through and steward the Nazareth season in our own lives. And then, talked a little bit more deeply into the Nazareth place last week, and talking how. Contemplative prayer is the remedy for the cult of influence, in that we're, we're gonna choose two paths in our life, which one is this outer pursuit of influence that doesn't satisfy, and there's a different way, an alternative path, and it's a path of prayer. And I'm gonna talk more deeply tonight about this path of prayer, or this life of prayer, and specifically in speaking about prayer. This is actually a message I've never preached. I've preached a lot of messages on prayer over the years. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna talk about what is the draw to the life of prayer. Meaning, you know, you meet people and you read books about uh, individuals over the years and the church over the centuries that have lived these profound lives where they are just gravitationally pulled into the secret place with God. Do you know what I'm talking about? You, you, we, and, and I want to talk about what is that gravitational pull? What, what is the draw that, that could cause an individual to become so convinced that the life of prayer is the way that they'll invest time and space and energy uh, into pursuing God in this type of a way. Are you excited about this message? Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, the more excited you seem, the better I preach. I'm just saying. So, get excited, church. I'm close to... <laughs> All right, cool. All right, I got a good crowd tonight. Uh, I'm, think, I'm more thankful to be here. So, so that's, that's my introduction tonight. It's a question. What is the draw of the contemplative. What is the draw that, that's going to draw us to become people who live lives of prayer? All right, here's a, a few answers that people may, uh, may suggest to answering that question that I think are incomplete. The first one would be uh, the draw is, you know, we're supposed to do it because the Bible tells us so. It's what Jesus did. Right, that, that may be correct, but that's going to fall grossly incomplete and insufficient to really sustaining and getting us into the gravity of God. Uh, here's one that may be a popular, even a secular answer uh, it's to center yourself and find inner peace. That's the draw of a life of prayer. You, know, you may find inner peace. You may find a centering for your day, but that's not the draw. That's not the gravity. Here's one that may get a little more deeper. It's intimacy with God, and it's experiencing His presence. That is so true, but I'm going to suggest tonight that even that is an incomplete definition. That's that's the essence of what we're searching for in prayer, but that that's, that's a still an incomplete understanding of what really draws us and captivates us to pursue and live a life of prayer. And I'm going to propose this is the answer to my question, and I want to unpack this for the rest of the night, is that prayer is where you learn the story of what your life is really about. That is the draw to a life of prayer. It is in prayer and prayer alone where you learn the story of what your life is really about, the very purpose for your existence, the narrative that defines you and gives meaning for your life on this planet. That is the draw to the life of prayer. That's found in the presence of God, but it's where the story is discovered. It's it's bigger. It's not just an experience. It is a story that draws you into something that is far more glorious than you ever could have realized. So pause, let's jump in. I, I wanna unpack that statement. It's where we find the story. Story is a, is a word that we kind of take for granted. We think it's kind of fun, everybody loves stories. You want to Tell me a bedtime story. You have any good bedtime stories growing up? My grandpa used to tell me and Riley a, bed, a bedtime story about, what was the bear's name? Charlie, I think it was Charlie the bear. I just remember, tell us about the story about Charlie the bear. He was stealing tomatoes from the neighbor's garden or something like that. Long story short, we like stories, right? Well, stories are very central to who we are as human beings, actually. And it turns out that stories are more than just child bedtime things we like. We don't just go to the movies because we like the movies. It's because we are all searching for a story. Because stories are what we use, even, even neurologically. They are what human beings use to make sense of their lives. We use narrative to understand and interpret what's going on in our lives. Jesus came and offered a different story. That's what he did. That's the kingdom of God. It's a new story for your life. It's a new story that can change the way that you think about what your life is all about. All right, the last two weeks, I've been telling you a story about Nazareth. It's from the scripture. It's from the spirit of God. I would offer it in all humility, but it's a story. And this story about Nazareth, what I've, the conversations that I've been having with people is that you've been finding yourself in this story, and it's impacting you. And, and because you're finding a new narrative for your life about the story of Nazareth from the life of Jesus that then is being contextualized to us living in America right now, searching for significance in our own lives, we're finding this new story. And when you find a new story, something that you used to maybe say was negative can become positive because you're reinterpreting how your life's actually working because this story is getting into you. Stories are powerful. the that, what happens to us is actually not the most powerful and evoking thing in our lives. It's what we interpret these things that they happen around us. This is why some people can go through cancer in a way that exudes an otherworldliness, a godliness. There's life to it, and some person can walk through the same thing, and it's a completely different experience because there is a story that is empowering us to interpret the things of our lives. Stories are how we find God. They're where our hopes get burned. They're where our emotional responses come from. It's the story that we're telling ourselves. Are you following me with this? We find ourselves in stories, and stories reframe the way that we see our lives. They can bring clarity to what seemed obscure. They can bring hope to what seemed hopeless. And this is what Jesus gave us. This is what God gave us in the scriptures. This is a library of stories of God introducing himself to humanity, of God interacting and intervening in the affairs of man. And what we see is this library of stories. It's all about individuals that were learning the way of God in their lives. And we can see that over time in many of these people's stories, like they didn't understand God's activity at first. Like look at the disciples. Jesus comes to the disciples. He comes to Peter and he tells Peter what? A new story. You're not a fisher. Come with me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. It's like he dropped a clue. There's a different story for your life. And you can see, right? Peter doesn't really get it for quite a while. Peter starts making his own story still because Peter had his different story. Peter had a human story. This is what the fall did. The fall disconnected us from God. And it basically made us dependent upon our own interpretations of life, which has created a really fractured and isolated world that's really broken and messed up. Because we're all disconnected from God's perspective, and we are all stuck to the confine of our own story and our own interpretation and our own life experiences to make sense of our lives. But God's got this new story called the kingdom. And he's like, this kingdom is the story of your life. It's the real story. It is reality. What you're living isn't reality, Peter. You're not just this nobody in the Galilee who is a sinner. That's what Peter told Jesus the first day they met. Get away from me, I'm a sinner. Jesus said, I have a different story for you. Come follow me, I'm gonna teach you this story. I'm gonna teach you how I interact in the affairs of men. And I'm gonna draw you out of this broken story into my story. This is what the Bible is. This is why the Bible is so powerful. They are stories that that as we wrestle with it, it's this dramatic, epic, messy story of human beings interacting with God and learning what their life's really about. Okay, you're with me. I just need to know you're with me before I move on. Okay, you're with me. So, unpause. Prayer is where you learn the story of what your life is really about it happens in prayer the the draw of prayer is more than just experiencing god's presence or god's peace it's it's you You capture his story. You're having conversation with him. You're interacting with him. You're dialoguing with him. You're learning what your life is actually about. This is what captivates and draws and draws and draws someone who's seeking God. This is what keeps drawing, because we're so desperate. We find ourselves in need of what he's saying and what he's speaking and the story that he's speaking over our lives. So we just keep coming back to the source because prayer is this place of communication. And it's not just what we offer, but it's learning to pray with our ears. It's learning to listen. It's learning to discern what is God saying? What does God think of this? What is the kingdom narrative that's going on in my life right now? Right? I've been talking about Nazareth for two weeks, and I know I've had conversations with some of you. Like, I saw my life as really mundane and ordinary, and I was striving against it. And because there's this new story, I'm recognizing that there's something deep and eternal taking place inside of me. That's a story. And that's a story that keeps getting told and and unfolded one page at a time as we come and interact with God through prayer. The mystery of Nazareth is that you have to embrace irrelevance. This was last week, but that's where you actually find the depth of who you really are. So even though you, you may have to let go of your striving for the outward things, you're going to find a depth of significance that you didn't know what was inside of you. Right? And the question, who am I, uh, gets answered. Uh, and I talked about this last week and read this poem by Bonhoeffer where he's searching for who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That question gets answered in Nazareth, but it doesn't get answered by a statement. That's one of the things that I think we miss in the conversation of identity in the church. We, we're almost like, I'm looking for God to give me a statement to tell me who I am. Your identity isn't a statement, it's a story, it's a narrative, and it's epic, and it's dramatic, and it's messy and you learn it over time and you learn it in a conversation called prayer. Prayer is where you find the story of what your life is really about. Prayer is your door of access to your little life. Joining this narrative, which is the narrative of God on earth, which we know how it ends. And we are living in this, this beautiful space where Jesus left and commissioned us, and he said, this is where you're going, and I'm inviting you to become part of that. And prayer is where you access what God has invited us into. About 13 years ago in my life, I had a, an experience that God continues to uh, interpret over time. One of the, things, the amazing things of walking with Jesus is, he, he, he caught, you know how ch- cows chew the cud? They just keep chewing the same thing and getting more and more out of it. That's one of the things that god does and i know any of you have walked with god for a while he brings you back and you reinterpret aspects of what he did in your life, and you glean more from it. You learn more of the story. But, but 13 years ago, God came into my life, and he gave to me. Uh, I read this verse. Paul's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is just a name for the Holy Spirit. He is the one who brings wisdom and revelation. And I had an encounter at 17 that changed my whole life, and God came upon me. His spirit came upon me in a revelatory way. The spirit of revelation came, and what it did is it stripped my life naked before me. I saw my life, and I was living on the outside. I had very strong, I was very convinced of what was going to fulfill me, what was going to satisfy me. I was very driven. I was very successful. I had a lot of things going. And in a moment, this revelation came upon me, and it just stripped my life naked, and I saw what it was. It was empty. I saw that all the things that I would tell that moment in my life was 100% convinced were going to make me happy and fulfilled, significant and powerful. It just was It was empty. And I started literally screaming at the top of my lungs. Don't let me do that. Don't let me walk down that path. Don't let me live into that emptiness. And I didn't recognize it, but at first, it took me years before I recognized this, but that moment was a crisis moment in my life and it changed the rest of my life because what started happening over the years that followed that was my motivations for all these external pursuits started to slowly slip away because whether I wanted to or not, this revelatory experience opened the eyes of my heart and I saw what I once thought was gonna bring fulfillment was empty. I knew that I knew that I knew that all these external things were never going to satisfy me. and it was a crisis because my whole identity was built on those things and over about the next two years of my life God just, I had this internal crisis where the things that I was so driven and motivated for that drivenness and motivation started going away because I knew, even if I tried to lie to myself I knew those things were not going to satisfy me and eventually it led me to a full on identity crisis as I had to let these things go because I no longer had passion or desire for them. But I was left in this place of saying, who am I? Because my identity just died in these pursuits too. Who am I? What's going to make my life matter? What makes me significant? What makes me Special, what makes me anything? My whole life I was known by one thing I was an athlete and I was this good athlete, and and then that was gone, and I didn't even, and it was gone because I had to let it go because I, I couldn't find in it what I wanted but I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't know where to find what I wanted. And in this this oblivion, this identity crisis, and then all types of trauma happening in my life on top of this, I just started instinctively searching for where is the place that's going to give my life meaning? And honestly, I hated this revelatory thing that came on me. I was like, get off of me. I want to find things in simple external <laughs> pursuit. This makes me happy. It used to. Why doesn't it make me happy anymore? And I had this crisis inside of me. And in this crisis, which was for years, this instinctively where I started going was to a prayer chapel. I didn't know why. I had no concept for what I would find there. It was just something inside of me was hungering. What's going to make sense of my life? What's going to give me meaning? What's going to give me purpose? And I started praying. I started praying, not, not even knowing what I was doing. It was instinctive. And I say it was instinctive because eternity is written on my heart, and eternity is written in your heart. And, and something inside of me, though I didn't know, that I, I'd never seen it, i never read books on prayer, I just instinctively, something in the depth of me, knew that there's only one place you're going to find the thing that you're looking for and it's with God. It's a different story. It's a different framework. It's a different narrative. And so I started praying. I started praying and searching for the answer to this question, who am I? And it was like the most non-glorious process I could ever describe for you, And I say this because what I'm going to say, you could form your own narrative in your mind of it was this beautiful, poetic, amazing thing where I just started piecing together the story of my life and it's amazing. And now I'm a pastor and everything is perfect now, let me tell you. No, for 13 years, I feel like I'm still yearning to see that question answered. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? But what I started finding slowly, painstakingly, in this messy, non-black-and-white process, was I started getting hints. I started getting words. I started getting scriptures. I started getting images that that I believed were somehow inspired from God for me. And it was like I started getting these little pieces of a puzzle. And I started fitting them together, and it was like there's something else going on. There's something else going on than all my external frustrations and pain. It was like I started drinking of something as I just showed up to pray. He started speaking. I started piecing together a different narrative. I started finding a different story for my existence. And it started, it started awakening something in me. There's a gravity to it. I wanted to go back to it. I wanted more of these words and these images and these scriptures and these stories. I wanted more to start, to start you know, playing with. Like, is this real? What's going on? You know, and, and for me, ministry, I was never pursuing to be a pastor I never, I never wanted to be, a, I didn't go to pray because I wanted to be a good pastor. I didn't even want to be a pastor. Ministry was actually the, the consequence of what started happening. I just went to prayer trying to find words. I was looking for a story. I was looking for a narrative. I was trying to find meaning for my life. And then as I just started sharing these words and these images and these expressions and these scriptures, people are like, it's hitting me like a freight train, man. It's like, what do you mean? They're like, what you're saying it's hitting me, it's changing me. People start saying, I think you're called to be a preacher. I was like, I think you're delusional. <laughs> but more and more and more, as I just started sharing these words, these images, these stories, other people said, I'm finding myself in those stories. I'm paraphrasing. That's what so I started realizing. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what's birthed my ministry seriously, I get up here week after week and I just offer you in such humility because it's like, oh God, I'm just searching for meaning myself. It says, here's, here's a portion of what I found in this journey. Here's, here's, a, here's a small offering of what I've discovered in the place of prayer that I can bring to you. And it, it literally marvels me. It's still week after week, it marvels me when people are like, oh my gosh, I see myself in that. This is giving me language to see my life in a different way too. We're all searching for meaning and significance and we're all searching to become a part of the same story. And the beautiful thing is that we all are a part of the same story. But it's it's the searching and it's coming to know it because we're either, Nazareth has two options. You can live into the outer story or you can yield to the inner story. You can discover it if we will try to pursue the outer story for our lives, we're not going to fulfill the true story, the true identity that we have been created to live in. prayer is the only place that I've ever found that satisfied the thirst of my soul. And it's been a painful thirst, you guys. I still feel it all the time. I still question it all the time. Who am I? I'm still in Nazareth with all of you that told me you're there too. I don't see ministry as a fulfillment of my life. I see it as this, honestly, a lot of times this obscure process for me of trying to make sense of what is the purpose for my existence? And that thirst just keeps pushing me to him, pushing me to him, pushing me to him, him. because it's the draw, it's the gravity of prayer as he keeps unveiling it. Here's who you are. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what this means. Here's how you can interpret this. I have a different narrative for your life. And everything, you know when you found his narrative, when you find peace, because that peace comes when you're like, oh, I'm walking in the footsteps of Jesus. My life does matter. I am seen. I am known. I am a part of something bigger than myself. It's all these fundamental parts of us. God knows how to fulfill, but you only discover it in prayer. Prayer is when we start relating with the eternal one and this vacuum that's inside of us starts being satisfied filled that thirst quenched so that's the decision that we have to make in nazareth this is why prayer is the only remedy for the cult of influence because the cult of influence is barking for you money fame power influence they're saying come come listen to my story it's not just a phrase the world's telling us a story too You know, like last year was really actually, you know that Michael Jordan documentary that came out? My earliest childhood memories were wanting to be Michael Jordan. And when that documentary came out, I honestly struggled for like a couple months because I was like, that was my narrative. That was my story that was going to give me purpose to my life. And now I'm a pastor in the middle of COVID and nobody even comes to church. (laughs) I'm just being real with you. I, I'm still confronted with the story that there is an appeal to the outer story because the outer story, I can see it and feel it and touch it and control it. I know it's real. Michael Jordan's the man. He Significant? He's significant. He's powerful. He's, his life matters. But then you look at it and you can really ask the question, if you dissect it a lot, is does he know that? Does he think that? You know, Because the outer story, again, this is the cult of influence, it's an empty pulpit. It's people that are not empty, significant, or feel powerful preaching a message that says, be like me and you'll be powerful, significant, but it's empty, it's a deception, there's nothing real to it, but it has an allure. And this is why we have to sit in Nazareth, you guys, because Nazareth is like, it's not, it's, it's, it's like God just like, stop, stop coming out. Come to me, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and drink, drink of the story I have, drink of my interpretation of your life. Find yourself in me, not in relationship to other human beings. That is what we end up doing. If we don't live a life of prayer, we're going to search for significance through relationships to other people, which brings an inherent selfishness to all community. Because I'm I'm coming to all of you needing me to be satisfied. God operates a different way. This is why in the kingdom there's no pain, there's no war, there's no violence, there's no conflict. there's, There's no selfishness because everybody's satisfied in the story of God for their lives. Because there's no moon or stars or sun. It's just the light of God and we all see him and know him and commune with him. We're all significant because we're all found in him. We all have his words helping us interpret our lives and give meaning and purpose to them. The one who spoke us into existence, he started your story. We don't have to finish it. We just get to walk in trust and discover it. But is where we discover it. You look at the life of Abraham. He framed his life by the inner story. Well, his wife. Was barren and old. He was old. He was promised a whole land. He never had any land. He was a stranger. He never received the land in his whole life. He lived in tents. He was a vagabond. There was wars. There was, you know, Lot left him. His own Abraham had a lot of things going on in the outer life that he could have framed his life by. But he didn't. Abraham believed the story of God. David, you're gonna be king at 17 years old, then it's like 13 years of the exact opposite, obscurity. He then runs away. He's an outcast. He's rejected by the king. He then has his old band of warriors. They end up rejecting him. The Philistines end up rejecting him. He doesn't even know who, you know, David they, had a lot of content to go by for the outer story. I don't really think I'm a king. I think Samuel ate something bad, some bad meatloaf the night before, and he poured the oil on the wrong guy, but David frames his life by the inner story. And even in all the rejection, he just kept going to the Lord. Read the Psalms. It's a man who framed his life by the inner story. Paul, you're gonna be a preacher to kings and this and all of this, right? They come to him, and then he goes into obscurity for a long time. He goes to Mount Sinai. He studies the law. He's hidden to the churches. He then goes back to Tarsus, and most scholars believe that he went and lived with his parents and was a tent maker. Am I going to preach to kings, or did you just come to me on the road to Damascus to steal my whole ministry and hide me away for the rest of my life and move me back in with my parents in the basement? (laughs) (laughs) This is Nazareth, you guys. But Paul framed his life by the inner story. The question of Nazareth is which story are you going to frame your life by? Are you going to keep trying to make the outer story work because it won't ever work? It won't ever satisfy, or are you just going to like give in? Say, okay, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to look within. St. Francis of Assisi is one of my favorite um, people in church history. He says, he had a phrase, he would say, that we are to wear this life like a loose garment. And what he meant by that is that life and the desires of the outer world, like that's part of being a human. Those things aren't bad. Like God gives promises that pertain to the outer things. But it's not, it's not about the outside or not. It's what is the path to the outward thing. Right? It's like Moses. Moses was called to be a deliverer. But Moses tried to become a deliverer in his own strength, and he killed an Egyptian, and it led him to the wilderness. Right? Then when Moses was ready, he didn't even want to become a deliverer anymore. But God was like, it doesn't matter. Now you got to go. Right? And, and, but it, it was sourced from within. Right? And, the, and the, the question, and, the, and this is this, this quote, the wear this life like a loose garment. It's, it, and he would say that as we would become more and more like God, the, the, the looser the garment would become. And, and the allure of the outer things would lose their, their, their contact with us. I talked about holy indifference last week. God wants to cultivate in us. The inner life has the power to cultivate within us a holy indifference towards the outer pursuits. And that's when God can use us. When we're truly indifferent to them, that's when he can flow through us like a torrent because he's cultivated, the the garments become loose. This holy indifference takes place over time as we drink of the real story for our lives as we become rooted and grounded in the true narrative, the story that God is speaking, the story of his kingdom, the story of his scripture, contextualized in my life that I access through prayer. When I drink of the real thing, the outer life starts to lose its appeal on me. I'm no longer addicted to it. I'm no longer drawn to the outside messages because I know the true story. But there's always temptation. There's always a wrestling within us. There's always the opportunity for us to exercise faith? Am I gonna pursue the outside or am I gonna have faith that he who promised is faithful and that what I'm searching is in him? Prayer is where we're gonna find the story of what our life is really about. The dilemma of the inner life, I wanna be honest with all of you, the dilemma of the life of prayer is that it's absolutely relentless. It's demanding. It's quite absolute. Because once you start drinking of it, it, will not, it won't stop. You'll want more. Once you start drinking of what God speaks of your life, you'll be ruined for any other story. And you'll want more of that story. And you want more of that story. And you'll want more of that story. And God will ask for more. And God's going to draw you deeper and deeper and deeper. And what happens is that God starts widening the divide more and more and more between the outer story and the inner story. The outer story and the inner story. And for a while, you can kind of do this. Like, oh, I like this and this. I like this and this. I like this and this. And then all of a sudden you start feeling like you're, uh, you know, bipolar or something like that. Because you're like, I don't know who I am right now. And then there comes a a point of demarcation. When God's like, we have to choose. What are you really going to give yourself to? Are you you a person of prayer? Are you going to give your life to the inner life? Or are you going to kind of stay at a certain place? There's a certain orbit that we can manage in our own strength. But that's not what faith looks like. Faith jumps in. Faith gives everything, right? Everything that God does, he does with all of himself, and that's why he asks things so absolutely of us because he wants us to be like him. He wants us to do things with our whole heart, with our whole mind, with our whole strength, right? And that's the demand of the inner life. It's what are you gonna put your faith in? What's really gonna satisfy you? And if you believe that it's the story of God and that it's Jesus, you will then become by default a man or a woman of prayer, because there's no other place you're gonna find it. I think you can tell the, the level of people's faith by their prayer life. Because if you are in Nazareth, and you say no to the outer pursuits, and you turn within, you're exercising faith. It takes faith to say yes to that. It takes faith to say I'm gonna invest time in a quiet, confined space that nobody sees and I can't really talk about. But God's designed it this way because it's faith that moves mountains. It's faith that unlocks and moves the heart of God. God's looking for faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the world, on the earth? Right, the world is screaming, you guys, saying, listen to my story. Listen to this story, come, success, influence, platform, whatever it is, all the things we talked about last week. Come and follow me and you'll find what you're looking for. You'll become great, you'll become significant, you'll become meaningful, your life will matter. If you just had more money, if you just had more followers, if you just had a bigger platform, if you just had more anointing, if you just saw more things on the outer life, it's like there's so many things. We can spiritualize it, we, whatever it is, but it's just screaming for your faith. It's screaming for your yes, and then God. It's like Jesus is, the counters. he's just whispering. He's like, come to me. Come to me, you who are thirsty, and you'll find water that will never leave you thirsty again. Never thirsty for the outer things, just thirsty for the inner things. Come to me, you who have no money and no, no nothing to buy with. Drink, wine, and milk. Find it, delight yourself. Come to me and find rest for your souls. Come to me and find the story of what I really spoke when I created you. Come to me, come to the author of life, the author of your life, the author of, of all life, and I will show you who you are. I will draw you out of your little story, Peter, where you thought you were gonna be a successful fisherman in Nazareth and I'm going to use you to impact generations and nations and do things that you could never know. Not because you're some great amazing person, because you're going to know me. Because you're going to allow me to do such a deep work inside of you that then I can do anything through you. It's inside out, inside out. And that is not the message of this life. It is outside in. Go outside and you'll find what you're really looking for on the inside. Go outside, you'll find what you're searching for on the inside. What Jesus demands is you have to lay the outside on the altar and say, I'm just going to come inside. And if you want to push me out, you can push me out. If you want to give me a platform, you can give me a platform. But I just need you to give me you. The only thing that Jesus promises you when you surrender is that you will get him and that you will get all of him. And that is what faith says, give me Jesus. You can have all the world, just give me Jesus. I will put my dreams of the outer things on the altar and I will trust them into your hands. Just give me you, God. And when you want him like that, he will come. And he will come in ways that are demanding and uncomfortable, and they'll want more and more and more and more. He wants all of you, but he will give you all of him. You'll find the treasure in the field. You'll find what you're really searching for. You'll find significance. You'll find a new story. And it's not going to be glorious. It's not going to be all at once. It's going to be word, images, scriptures, narratives, testimonies, stories. And you're going to start piecing together an inner reality where you will find a significance that you can't even imagine. That's the gravity of prayer. When you look at someone, you're like, man, how do they wake up and pray? How do they keep praying? Why do, they, why do we, we wanna keep praying? Why do we worship on Sunday so long? Why do we even come and listen to messages? Why do we even need to get like everything that we do, God's designed us to get into proximity of places where we can be exposed to the story of the kingdom of God that is at hand and unfolding on the earth. And we just keep needing to be fed this story, you guys. The reason that Christianity doesn't work in isolation is because in isolation we start being exposed to all the outside stories and we will get drawn out there we have to be a people of prayer that then start offering and sharing and then we will just draw and create a culture where deeper and deeper we are living by faith in the un- unseen that this is worth it that it's worth it i believe that most people don't pray because we deep down don't believe it's worth it and if you're leaving listen to the outer stories it's not Prayer has no place in being like Michael Jordan. That's like funny. (laughs) Don't like quote that, you know. You got to know sometimes I change it up. My, my heart is, is not to put any sort of yoke or condemnation. Prayer is the greatest gift. I'm trying to woo you into a place, at least awaken thirst inside of you to find the words to this story. Ephesians 2 says you're, you're his workmanship, which in the Greek is poema, which is where we get the word poem. You're a divine poem. And when God created all of the cosmos, he spoke them into existence. But for you and I, it was far more intimate. We're told that God got down informed formed us by hand and then whew, breathed into us or kissed us. He spoke a word and the sun and the light was brought forth. But for you and I, he, he crafted a poem. Because he, he put his glory, and his image, and his nature into you and I. That is why the pain of insignificance is so great. Because it is such a violent offense to who you are. The hunger and the thirst in you for significance is so great because you are a poem of the grandmaster of the cosmos himself. And he came with a fury like what Riley shared to redeem his image in you, and he made a way for you to come into the Father and to have communion with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that way is prayer. Jesus shed his blood. The Father wounded himself to make a way for you and I to come into close proximity and communication with him so that we could discover the words of this poem we could discover this story that God has authored. That is the reason you and I have breath in our lungs and blood beating through our hearts and imagination stirring through this brain of ours. There's a purpose for our lives, and I long for you to find it. I I just can't live on my watch. I can't let you come here and then just keep going out and searching after worthless things. There is a treasure in prayer. There is a place that you can unlock. There is a deep mystery that you will find. I had no idea what I would discover when I turned my back on all the outer things and just followed what this revelation was leading me to. This instinctive drawing inside of me that there is something that I'm searching for and I'm not gonna find it out there. There is an ancient way, an eternal path that's inside of you, an eternal whisper that is drawing you in, come to me, come to me and find the story of what your life is really about. That's the invitation of prayer and it will take faith to get there. But once you drink of it and once the floodgates break, you will be ruined. So just go until you're ruined. Then it's easy. You know what I'm talking about, whoever's ruined here. It becomes easy. There's entropy, you know, objects in motion, objects at rest. You guys are super, the excitement's going There's entropy in this life. It's a law of nature, it's a law in the spiritual as well. The outer story, there's a lot of us that have entropy to the outer story. We've, we're in motion, we've bought into it. And we're so bought into it, we don't even know how to slow down, we don't know how to get out of it. And, and what I wanna pray tonight is, I, I just believe there's grace in this room, that God wants to break the entropy of the outer life and actually release a gravity getting real scientific on you, a gravity to the inner life. And and I wanna just pray, and and what I'm gonna pray is that this prayer we started with tonight is that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, who is the Holy Spirit, will come upon us and flood our hearts with light, the eyes of our hearts with light. He, He will wake up our vision that we will begin to see and that God will do to you what he did to me 13 years ago. And you'll begin to see through things that maybe you don't want to see through in, 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 in your natural state right now. But God will let you see through. Revelation simply means to unveil, to expose to light. It's like the aperture of a camera opening up when God opens that inner aperture, you won't be satisfied with the external things because it's the eyes of eternity. Start scanning on your inside and it will only be satisfied till it finds what's real. Reality, capital R, God. The story of what your life about is reality and every other story is a false reality that's not real. So that's what I want to pray tonight is that an entropy will break and for a spirit of revelation to come and open the eyes of our hearts tonight. And I'm going to ask you to stand if you want that to take place in you. And, I, and I'm going to be honest, I don't want you to stand if you don't want that to happen in you tonight. But if you do want it to happen to you, I, I believe there's just grace tonight never prayed anything like this in this type of way before, but I believe that there will be something that shifts on the inside of you that will change your journey. It may change external motivations that you have. It may rewire the inside of you, but I just I just want you to stand, and I'm going to have the team come up and play, and, and we're going to have ministry team as well, but I'm just going to start praying a corporate prayer, and if this is what you want, I just want you to stand, and then we'll just let... The Spirit of God do whatever he wants in this place and we're just going to create an, an open space for you to respond however you would. Uh, if you're on the prayer team, you can come forward during this time of prayer as well and just and take your place at the altar. Yeah, so just, just open your hands if you're standing. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're doing tonight. Lord, we thank you that eternity really is written in our heart and that's why we're standing Lord that we really are on the same journey even though it looks so different on the outside that we're all searching for the answers to the same questions. Lord, we're all searching for the purpose of our existence. God, we're all searching for the words of this divine poem that you spoke into the into existence. God, a story that's still being completed of our lives. Lord, and, and I thank you God for all the things that you have revealed and shown into our lives up to this point. But I ask tonight, Father, that you just send a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, just what Paul prayed, that you would do it tonight, God, that you would flood our hearts with light, God, that you would open the aperture of our inner eyes, God, and that a spirit of revelation, God, you will just begin to strip naked everything in our life that's, that's a false story, in a false narrative, and a false pursuit, God, and a thing that's leading us to an empty well, God, an empty pulpit that's leading us to an empty well, God, that you'll just, you'll strip it, Lord, and that we will begin to see through, God, and and to find reality, God, to see what's real, to see what has substance, God. I pray that you'll awaken thirst tonight, God, that you will break the entropy of the outer life, God, and that the gravity of your great love, God, will begin to stir and awaken thirst inside your bride tonight, God, that we will begin to thirst for the words to this story. God, we'll begin to thirst for your presence, to thirst, God, to know what you are speaking and what you are thinking and what you are, are authoring in our lives in this time, God. I just pray, Lord, that you will just further awaken the inner appetite for prayer, God, and that we will be a people of faith, God, like Paul, like Moses, like Abraham, like David, God, we will choose to frame our lives by the inner story, God, and that you will just break the influence tonight, God. Break the influence, God, of the outer, the outer draws, the allures, God, of, of the messages and the stories that the world is preaching, and that tonight, God, there will be a shift that takes place inside of us, Lord, that you will get into the motivational dynamics inside of us, God, and there'll be new motivations and new desires, God, that replace the old, and that these desires will be a gravitational force that will lead us on the ancient path that comes right before your face, God, that leads us right into your heart, God, that draws us right before your throne, that, that, that just, that grounds us and roots us, God, in the true narrative of what our life really means. So we just thank you, Jesus, the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price the one who's worthy of our yes. God, strengthen the faith of your church tonight, that we'd put our faith in the inner narrative, God, in what you're speaking. Lord, that we would say no, maybe even painful no's to the outer things, because we're saying yes to the life of prayer. So just, just even just come, God, gravity. Just release the gravity the gravity of your presence, the gravity of your love. Release your whisper into this room tonight. It's just drawing us in, drawing us deeper, drawing us right into the, the only real thing in this universe, which is you. Jesus is the the well of eternal life that we get to drink from, and I, I, I just want to bless you to drink from him tonight, receive from him, whatever that looks like for you. We have a ministry team, and we'd love to pray for you, partner with what God's doing in you. If God's just whispering in you. and. You just feel maybe an urge to get an, an urge to get come get prayer. We'd love to pray for you in this time. I'm going to have the worship team just play music and maybe worship. And if you just want to worship Jesus, you can worship him. And if you want to go, you can go. And uh, if you can maybe just get your kids within 10 or 12 minutes from now, and you can bring them back in. But this is just a space, a holy space, where Jesus is here. And and I just have a sense that that there's words and and images and scriptures and things that he's wanting to bring to you tonight that he's wanting to to give you a piece of the story he wants to reframe some things in some of you so i just i just want to bless you to drink from the well of eternity to drink the grace of jesus tonight to drink the water that he promised us so be blessed as you drink be blessed as you go be blessed as you come and receive prayer whatever form and this space is yours we just ask that you know, once you do leave you can leave quietly and just um, be respectful for what's happening in this space so bless you to drink in Jesus name